welcome back to another daily walk. And hopefully my audio is okay. My uh, apparently my cable's messed up for my fuzzy cat, and so uh, I had to go to this clip-on microphone, which classically has never sounded as good. But hey, we have good backups anyway, so at least acceptable backups. So today we're going to talk a little bit more about textual criticism in the field, and uh, we've covered it in the past. We looked at the Texas Receptus and. Uh, I want to do a more detailed dive on the critical text today and then um, talk about the, the pros, the cons, and uh, what has come out of it. Of course, the critical text is the main text that is used to translate all of the, almost all of the Bibles that we have, with the exception of the King James and the New King James, which use the Texas Receptus, which we have a separate video on the Texas Receptus. Now, the critical text itself is overall pretty good, but it sometimes is stuck in the past, but I think sometimes it's stuck in the past in such a way that we try to make a lot of changes, and then a lot of changes got reverted because later manuscripts demonstrated that the earlier edition done, first released in the 1800s, was actually better than a lot of things that we did into the, the uh, early 1900s, that to the, the point where the current release, not of the critical text necessarily, but of the UBS text, which is used by a lot of people in studying the Greek. Uh, I have a fourth edition here. The fifth edition is the current. Um, and uh, this text here, it basically takes the critical text and fixes a lot of the shortcomings. So to understand the rules of the critical text. This is called the Westcott and Hort text is what you'll often hear referred to as uh, because this particular text is put together by these two people. Now they had a few biases that caused a few concerns with the text. First and foremost, they believed that the Byzantine texts of which the Textus Receptus is created out of were heavily influenced by the Western. Everybody agrees the Western texts are bad. Uh, because they've added extra things, they've basically changed the text for their purpose and their meaning. So everyone agrees Western texts are bad, but Westcott and Hort believed that the Western texts also impacted the Byzantine texts. Now, when they did their first release in 1881, that was, uh, that was their general belief. We now know through archaeological evidence that that is actually not the case. Uh, in fact, the, the Westcott and Hort are based on the two oldest manuscripts, which are the Texas Vaticus and the Texas Sinaiticus, dating back to roughly uh, 350 A.D. up to like 450 A.D. But the problem is that we have one later one, and that is called the Texas Alexandrius. Uh, I think it's Alexandrius. I, I'll forget, forget the, if that's exactly the name of that one. Uh, but that third one is the, the third oldest near complete manuscript, and the Gospels completely match the Byzantine uh, in most readings. Not every reading, but in most readings. And so it's very clear that the Byzantine was not impacted by the Western, but in that one manuscript, what's interesting is that the Gospels do match the Byzantine. The rest of the New Testament matches the Alexandrian, which is in and of itself an odd document, but even that one was only dated into the mid to late 400 AD, meaning it is a very old, very good document that was discovered after Westcott and Hort did their work. But as they do their work, uh, they actually put together a list of rules preferring the older manuscripts. And so 
as we're looking at preferring those older manuscripts, they're mostly going back to those two documents, the Venaticus and the Sinaiticus. The problem is both those documents are not necessarily an amazing piece of really well-preserved history. There are a lot of typist errors, there are a lot of copy errors, and there are a lot of the pages that have gone missing and things. And so there are holes in the documents, there are some issues with the documents, but nevertheless, we do have nearly the whole of the New Testament. And in the case of the, uh, I believe it's the Sinaiticus, we also have the Apocryphal and a lot of the Old Testament in there as well. And so it bears some, some thought and some question about what, uh, what we have. Now, they created their text by first and foremost saying that these two nearly complete oldest documents, anywhere they agreed, we have reason to suspect this is exactly in the original documents unless absolute internal evidence from the scriptures deems otherwise. And so what ends up happening is that is roughly 20 to 40% of the New Testament, depending on, on which percentages you're looking at. It has absolutely no question based on the age of these documents. Now, what the t critical text that is used to translate most of your Bibles, what it fails to do it fails to take into account 130 more years of research. So the critical text, which is still, there were some changes and then some reversions back. And then what ended up happening is we effectively have nearly the same document with very few changes that was released in 1881. But all of the other archaeological evidence, despite being stuck in the past, are all in complete agreement. Meaning that the critical text itself is an amazing piece of work and that after it was assembled in 1881 does not change itself quite dramatically in the last 150 years of extra archaeological work. But there are better sources and references that we can do. And that's where we come into the UBS text. UBS text is based mostly on the critical. And the critical text had the diversion out of Westcott and Hort into the Nestle Allen text. Uh, which now if you look at the UBS, it's going to tell you what it is based on the Nestle Adland text. So this one here is based on the 26. Now 20, I think it's 26 and 27 are nearly identical. The 28, I think, has a few changes. That's the latest version of which the UBS 5 is based. But what we what is significant is that there were some changes from the original Westcott Hort up into the UBS and then into the Nestle Adeland text, but then a lot of those changes in response to modern archeological discovery reverted back to the things that we had, such that the differences between the old uh, 1881 uh, Westcott and Hort and the modern ones that we have in the NA28 and the UBS5 are only differ in just a few verses here and there, and of course, nothing major. Now, what I like about the UBS is it is like your uh, it is like your your old critical text, but it gives you a lot more evidence inside of it. In fact, what they'll ship with uh, on the introductory, and they give it this little card in this particular book here. This is the list of guys, which you aren't going to be able to read because of focus issues there. But this is actually the list of the various texts used. So while the original um, the original Westcott and Hort 
really only utilize those two documents with uh, a bunch of other archaeological discoveries present to their modern day in the 1800s. The modern text pretty much confirms almost all of what they were doing. It just gives us better references and it gives us the most up-to-date and the best archaeological evidence that that text is in there. So if we're talking about it here in 2023 with our UBS 5 texts, we can be fairly confident that what we have here is what was actually written down by the uh, apostles as they were writing the original t- New Testament because of all of the archaeological evidence, the thousands of manuscripts all compared together, looking at all of the different texts in conjunction with each other. So all that being said to say the Greek New Testament, whether you're looking at the Textus Receptus or the critical text or the UBS text, you can be fairly confident that you have a good text that we are living in an amazing day that we think we we probably have something very, very close to what the apostles actually penned based on the various put-togethers, the, the, the thoughts of great men. And it's worth understanding as we dig into the original Greek or just even think about how our Bibles are translated from the texts that we have, that we can have great confidence that our texts are actually uh, good copies of the text that are going to give us Uh, accurate readings and renditions. So hopefully that has helped you to understand a little bit more about how the text was compiled together. Uh, Stay tuned for other ones and let me know if you want to see other other stuff in the textual criticism stuff um, as we uh, dig deeper and deeper into that field. So thanks for watching. Have a look over the website rwalkinchrist.com and I hope that you enjoy your daily walk and our Lord. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.